is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our website are for free, so enjoy those on us. That is, again, Free Talk Live. Dot com. Starting things out by going straight to the phone calls and to Chuck in New Mexico. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, you're on the amp line. What's on your mind, sir? All right. So I just got a summons for jury duty, which typically I don't mind because I like going in there and throwing a cog in the system. Yeah, it's always uh, nice to go in and uh, be someone who is aware of the fully informed jury association, FIJA, uh, to help spread the word to your other uh, fellow jurors about FIJA and the fact that as a juror, you are the fourth and final check and balance on the government's uh, power, and that as a juror, if you disagree with the law itself, you can vote not guilty based on that. This is something they will never tell you uh, in the judge's instructions. They they just don't talk about it anymore. Anymore, but it's still true. So that's one of the fun things about being on a jury. But what about this particular uh, incident? So on this particular incident, it came with a questionnaire. And this questionnaire is 38 questions long. Good heavens. And in addition to asking my name and some general demographic questions, it wants to know the closest intersection to my house. It has a lot of law type of questions, but really invasive ones like, have I uh, ever required hospitalization, or has a family member ever been sued? Do I know anyone who works for an attorney or a law office? Hmm. Um, and about eight other questions relating to law. Um, but then it has an ethnic question. It asks questions about where I work, how long I've worked there, uh, what my normal working hours are, what other types of jobs I've held as an adult. Um, wow, that's really right? invasive. And the, the worst one is number 19, and I'll read it in full. What religious, civic, social, union, professional, fraternal, political, or recreational organizations do you belong to or participate in, and what offices, if any, do you hold in these organizations? Now, that one's pretty standard. Yeah, Fiji actually suggests that All you, right. before you go into jury duty, you get you disband yourself from any uh, membership you might be in that they might want to kick you off the jury. Such as. And the reason for that is yeah. that way you aren't lying to them when you tell them, I'm not a member of the Libertarian Party, because <laughs> you've actually resigned your membership for the time period that you're going into the jury duty. This is unusual, though. Well, I've, cool. I've never heard of them sending out a questionnaire with the notification for jury yeah. duty. Normally, that's something you get when you actually show up for jury duty. Some of those questions are, have been on the form that I filled out, but most of them have not. You know, um, I, I want to remind you of a quote. When you're answering that religious question thing, I want you to remind you of a quote from A River Runs Through It. Methodists okay. are Baptists that can read. So I think that that's a nice, safe middle road for you to take. Well, my favorite one is uh, Methodists will say hi to you in the liquor store, but a Baptist won't. <laughs> I wish <laughs> no, I understood. But, uh, I don't get the joke. I, you yeah, don't, I don't get the joke? Well, yeah, Baptists are supposedly a little more self-righteous than Methodists are. Even and Baptists though, aren't allowed to drink. Yeah, even though it's basically the exact same Christian religion. Huh. But, uh, Actually, anyway, Methodists aren't supposed to, supposed to drink either, from what I, but nobody pays attention yeah. to that little rule. Well, exactly. They're basically the same, just yeah. Baptists are more self-righteous. So, so you have to fill. Are there are there instructions that say you must answer these questions, or what are no, the? No, there's there's nothing that explicitly says answer all these questions or go to jail. Mm. Um, the the only thing that says in relation to that is if you don't show up, you go to jail, and if you don't fill this out, then it'll just waste your time once you get there. 
But the only question I did fill out was the one that says if I've served as a juror in the last three years, and if so, do I want to be excused from serving? And I do because I'm moving like the same week, and it'd be a real pain in the rear. But gotcha. uh, And then the rest of it, I just put declined to answer because I don't think this is any of their damn business. No. It's really not. It really isn't. Um, yeah. So there you go. Thanks for sharing that with us. No problem. That's about it, guys. Y'all take, take it easy, easy. Chuck. Bye-bye. 800-259-9231. I never, CAI toll free line. I, I never get one of those jury summons. I wish yeah, they yeah, put I me on a jury. I want one, too. I've never gotten a chance to... Are you, I mean, as a convicted felon, are you out of the um, the potential registry or something? Is it... um, in Florida, I am. Here, I shouldn't be. Huh. Well, maybe you just haven't been here long enough. Sure. You know, that questionnaire just goes to show how the, it's really not a jury of your peers anymore. It's a whittled-down version of what they want. That yes. It's, it has, has no longer a jury of your peers, and I don't think it has been for some time. I can't believe they ask an ethnic question. I know. Isn't that out of – I mean, that's crazy. What they want is a jury of ignoramuses. That's ideally what they're looking for. They don't want people with any opinions about government. They don't want people with any opinions about freedom. They don't want people that know their rights as a juror. They want all those people to be excluded. They want a, a 12 people who they barely function as far as uh, politic- the political world is concerned. They, they don't pay attention to anything, and they're willing to go along with the suggestions of the, the judge and the prosecutors yeah. and all of that. I think that what they're really looking for is someone who will listen to and uh, listen to authority, someone who, who yes. isn't going to question authority in any way so that when they say judge the law, not the spirit of the law or whatnot, judge exactly what the law is, guilty or not guilty, they're looking for someone who will be like, oh, okay, whatever. Exactly. And the perfect example of the most pathetic jury and exactly the kind of jurors they're looking for has to have come from the Jose Padilla case. Do you remember what happened there? Mm-hmm. They had a jury that was dressed in red, white, and blue on each of the three rows of the juror pool. Uh, not the pool, but the, uh, the area where they, they sit. And this was something the jury allegedly spontaneously just decided to do to show their patriotic fervor for America while they were supposed to be remaining impartial and sitting in judgment of this man whose life and freedom was in their hands. Well, he's a terrorist. They charged him and held him for five years. He's obviously guilty. He must Uh, be. Obviously, they were well aware of who Jose Padilla was and what the purpose of the trial was. And just the, the fact that in America... Something like that could happen on a jury, and everybody would just go, Oh, look, they're wearing pretty colors together. (laughs) Uh, And just shrug it off as though this is no big deal, as though this doesn't say something about what they're thinking, that this doesn't tell you that they're just a bunch of mindless nationalists. And you want to talk about just a scary, scary situation. That's where, where we currently are today with American courtrooms. And I don't mind that those people are, are proud nationalists or patriots or anything like that. What bothers me is that they wouldn't look at the facts and wouldn't look at the Constitution. You're not much of a patriot if you don't ref- reference the Constitution but when see, you're Mark, judging these the, things. No, 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 no. That's not the definition of being a patriot, according to these people. Uh, in America today, Mark, being a patriot means waving the flag faster and louder and higher than your next-door neighbor. That's that's pretty much all that patriotism has become. Now, that's not what patriotism should be, because that's really the definition of nationalism. 
seeing who can shout the national anthem the loudest and wave the flag the highest. That's pretty much what nationalism is. But people have confused it. They they believe that wearing red, white, and blue and uh, that sort of thing is patriotic, when in fact it's nationalistic. And there is an important difference there. But that's lost on most of America. 800-259-9231, also the point of jury duty. Uh, and the truth about jury duty is completely foreign, completely alien to most Americans. They don't, they don't teach this in government school. They did not teach it to me when I was in law class in government school, which is one of the mandatory classes I had to take, you know, like a semester-long class. No, they don't want you to know that information. They certainly taught me about what a prosecutor is and the defense attorney and the jury and the judge. They give you all the basics about what's in the courtroom. Right. In my public school, we even had a mock trial. Yep, I love, that was fun, the mock trials. <laughs> but there was no mention of fully informed jury. Exactly. And they have no interest in mentioning it. because you know, Why do you need a jury if they're just, just judging the letter of the law? If they're just mm, yeah. going through the law piece by piece and deciding whether or not the person um, you know, did what the law says, what do you need the jury for? Yeah, why not just the judge? Really, it, there's really no point. If, if that's all you're doing... That, just compile facts, weigh which one's, uh, which one's heavier. Have you ever gone out and done any fully informed jury association outreach? Have you ever stood out in front of a courthouse and handed out brochures to the, the jurors, the potential jurors that were streaming in in uh, the morning? Have you ever uh, participated in that? If you've ever done any sort of activism in this realm, love to hear from you if you have any good stories for us at 800-259-9231. Unfortunately, I doubt that even amongst a, an audience full of activists that very many of our activists have, uh, have done this particular brand of activism. It's just not something that I don't feel like is really done very often. It can be very rewarding. And because it's not illegal yet to tell people about the truth. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231, and we're inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com, where we have live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to count recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. So their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. As we go to the phones, to the fun amplifier line, it's Gene in Tennessee. Gene, the Christian anarchist, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Well, hello. I did some uh, activism regarding jury duty back in the, about 1980, I think it was, mm-hmm. 7980. So that was, uh, unless I'm mistaken, I think that was before the fully informed jury association existed. Perhaps I so. Had, what did you do? I had read... Uh, Plenty of things from uh, Lysander Spooner at that time. I had read uh, uh, some other things that uh, some constitutional groups were passing around, and I had learned uh, pretty much the same things that everybody in the fully informed jury association knows today. And I had published the article that got printed in the Astoria, Oregon newspaper about jury duty, and it. Uh, told people about how they could nullify the laws and 
it actually made it into the newspaper. So after it went in the newspaper, I had it reprinted as a flyer. And I would uh, go around to the courthouses. There was only like two courthouses around Astoria. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would put them in the reading rack because there used to be reading racks at the uh, courthouses mm-hmm. for people. That was back in the days before metal detectors and, uh, you know, all this garbage that we've got today. And uh, so I have no idea how many people actually read them or whether it influenced anyone, but uh, that was uh, an early effort, I guess, at informing the juries of their rights. Very good. Do you think in 1980, about 25, 30 years ago, there were um, more people who were informed about uh, fully informed jury? Like, did more people know about it then, do you think? Have we dumbed it down, or has it been quite a while that has been forgotten? I would say that there were probably less people back then, because I've noticed a trend, and I think that uh, part of uh, the biggest blame that I place on the situation that we're in today with everybody wanting to uh, do everything they're told by the government, being a bunch of sheep. Mm -hmm. I I blame that primarily on the World War II generation, my parents' uh, generation, because they were basically, you know, tricked into World War II with Pearl Harbor, and then they, uh, you know, they had uh, all this brainwashing about how they had to get together and fight the Japanese and the Germans. And and it worked, as they did win the war. Mm. But when they came back from that war... They were so uh, nationalistic, I guess is the correct term. And right, and they, they were, were programmed to accept socialism with the, uh, the New Deal. Accept, they accepted everything the government told them. Uh, that was when the withholding of uh, income tax occurred during World War II. Right. And it supposedly was supposed to end after World War II. It never did. Right, and they confiscated and, gold and uh, everything else. And so they were very complacent in allowing the government to get away with all that, primarily because of the... the patriotic fervor that everyone was in after World War II. I think you're so right, I, Gene. I think more people do know now because, if anything if anything else, because of the Internet. I mean, back back then it was uh, much more difficult to come across this knowledge, whereas today, if you're listening to the right radio show or you stumble across the right website, then you will become informed. And I didn't find any real resistance when I printed that article in the newspaper. The newspaper was, you know, anxious to hmm. uh, print this, and uh, they, they were found it very interesting and all that. Yeah, that's great information to share in an article format. And, Gene, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. When I was out in front of the courthouse down in Sarasota, Florida, uh, basically physically handing brochures to potential jurors as they approached for their uh, jury selection, we were out there with maybe five or six activists, which was a pretty good turnout for, for being down there. I'm sure we could do better up here. But uh, the point is... The We had some signs and we had brochures, and the only negative response we received was from those who did not really understand at first glance what we were doing. It was from those who felt they were very, uh, you know, they probably considered themselves very patriotic, and so they felt as though doing jury duty is their duty and, you know, their responsibility as a citizen and that whole spiel. And so when they saw a sign that said, like, the, I, didn't, I didn't make the signs, when they saw the signs that said, the truth about jury duty or something like that, they got the impression that we were there to tell jurors how to get out of jury duty. They, they thought that, because that's the standard line you hear on mm-hmm. jury duty is, how do I get out of this crap? Right. You know, that's, that's the only thing you ever hear people talking about when it's talking about jury duty. Right. That's, that, that, that seems to be everyone's main concern about jury duty. How do I avoid doing it? So that was the only problem we really encountered. I think that a tweaking of the signage could 
could help that, but I think that either way you're going to just run across the the um, the uppity people, the people that don't want to be, uh, they don't want to talk to you, and they're not interested in what you have to say, and they're just going to brush right past well, you, and that's fine. I'm not because sure because we, t- we did get um, brochures into the hands of most of them. It's, it seems to be sort of an American thing to whatever it is you're trying to give me, or whatever it is you're trying to tell me, or whatever you're trying is you're trying to sell me. I don't have time for it. Whatever it is, no, 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 because that's just sort of the way I was taught. No, no, thanks. Right. You know when when sure. hawkers come up to you, um, no, no. Thanks. And that's no, what thank I would have been, yeah. I suppose. You know, it's also just important to remember, as many people as brush you off, it only takes one person to nullify a jury. So and That's the point. Yeah. Uh, that's the point. To get out there and to get the information into as many people's hands as possible. And the other thing you have to remember is that the people in uh, the jury selection room, if they don't bring a book... If you've never been to jury selection before and they don't have a rack like Gene was talking about, the place down in uh, Florida, they did not have a rack of magazines that you could just lift a magazine out of and sit down with. You either brought your own reading material or you sat quietly. Or you could chat with your neighbor. I mean, you could certainly talk to people, but most people are you know, a little introverted and they sit quietly when they're around strangers. And so if you're standing out in front of the courthouse giving them literature, they may not realize it, but that literature is going to come in handy if they didn't bring their own. Because they're going to be bored to tears sitting and waiting in that courthouse while the government slowly processes through the paperwork, and they just have, they just have to sit there. And so having that brochure in hand is a, it's a pretty useful thing for them. And so you can go to fija.org, F-I-J-A.org, if you want to learn more about the Fully Informed Jury Association. I think they've recently redesigned their website. It wasn't looking too hot up until uh, this year. But, man, they're, uh, they're getting it together, and they've got downloadable brochures. Get a, you know, grab the PDF file and take it to Kinko's or take it to your, you know, your favorite print shop and have them knock off a few copies for you. And then you know, get together with a couple of friends. Go downtown in front of the courthouse before jury duty. Find out when the jury selections are. It's usually like on a Monday or Wednesday morning. And take take a half an hour right before the jury selection time. So if jury selection, if the jurors have to be there no later than 9, you be there from 8.30 to 9. And then just not that long. Just yeah, it's a real quick, easy activism. You just stand there and you you're friendly to people and you you know come up with an opening line to get them to take that brochure from your hands. And you've you've made a difference, uh, at least to that one person's life that gets off for I don't know marijuana or something, something that they shouldn't be in jail for. It made a difference to them. Exactly right. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We're trying to battle the ignorance of the American people, which just runs as wide as it does deep. And I'll give you an example here with a little bit of audio as to exactly how ignorant we're talking about. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on our site are for free, so enjoy those on us. And that, again, is freetalklive.com. And those features include the updates. Get signed up, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something new to announce about the program. You can get on the list for free by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters created by top attorneys. LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or a living trust in minutes. 
LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. Let's go to the phones and to the fun to talk to Todd in Michigan. Todd, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, just a couple of things here. Um, I uh, know you guys didn't talk about this on your show over a week ago, but a prominent libertarian in our movement did pass away. Yes, yes, Aaron Russo, who we did have the uh, the pleasure to interview on this program, and you can grab yeah. that archive at guests.freetalklive.com. You know, people kept telling me about that, and it just we got issue after issue out on the show, and it just it never came up. And I'm glad you took the time to uh, to call in and bring that up. Because well, the interesting thing is that I'm going to have some of uh, Aaron's uh, people on my show as a tribute segment, uh, because, um, because of my show, and that's now a three-hour show, uh, we're going to be doing um, basically a small segment on, on Aaron. And that's nice. And get, Todd, yeah. how do people get to your show? Um, it's uh, now at nowlive.com slash Liberty Cap Talk Live. Okay. So Liberty Cap top, Talk Live? Liberty Cap Talk Live, yeah. And uh, it's um, we're going to have uh, hopefully when we start up the new season on uh, which is September 12th, by the way. Uh, hopefully, sometime after that, we're going to have a segment devoted uh, to that. But um, just an ongoing segment or well, a temporary? Probably thing? like a half hour segment, maybe more than that. I'm not exactly sure. I, I haven't exactly plotted it out completely. But so Aaron Rousseau did a lot more in his, uh, li- you know, his libertarian activism than just making America freedom to fascism. Obviously, that was sort of his swan song at this point. Uh, which, in, in case you haven't seen it, it is a fine film and it is available for free online. That's America from freedom to fascism. Uh, but Aaron Rousseau also ran for president. Uh, for well, he didn't make the nomination, but he attempted to secure the nomination for the Libertarian Party's presidential candidacy. Um, and he's also, I think, he made uh, he made an earlier film earlier on in his lifetime. I don't know how political it is. I, I'd never seen it called Mad as Hell. And he's really been a, a stellar, what really was a stellar activist. And oh, it's, he was. It's sad to see anybody go early because I think he was only in his, like his well, late forties. Well, the interesting, the interesting thing about it was that he had bladder cancer, and yeah. uh, I knew that he was ill for some time. Uh, at one point, he went to Germany to get some treatments, and then of course his cancer came back. And then when he went to Texas to receive maybe some sort of an alternative therapy or treatments or what have you. And I guess that wasn't working out. And then I found out later on that he was getting progressively worse. So hmm. that's when he um, that, that's when he passed away, unfortunately. It's just tragic. Todd, did you have any other thoughts for us tonight? Yes, um, I wanted to bring up um, a point that you guys were talking about last night about why profits are so evil in the eyes of so many people okay. um, about the greedy corporations. And the interesting thing is, um, what people don't understand is that. When a company makes money, they're doing a lot of great things with it. Um, the, 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 the amount of time, the resources, and the manpower put into uh, producing products and services for people are actually a boon, not a bane. And unfortunately, uh, too many people really don't take that into account. When they look at a company that's making so much money, um, I mean, if you want to object to a corporation, um, object to the fact that, there, that um, there, are, there are a good number of them that do accept corporate welfare. That's uh, true. Farm subsidies, farm amongst subsidies. other things. If that's, that's probably the only legitimate reason that you could actually object to a corporation. Other than that, 
companies that are making profits, that are actually, you know, rewarding their employees. Granted, there may be bad managers in a specific company. Sure. And sure, you know, there are, uh, and I've seen my share of them. Uh, in fact, you know, um, of course, there, um, the Enrons and the World.coms of the world are only just a few. Right. Uh, the, the, the reason why Enron is newsworthy is because it's unusual. I mean, that's by definition what news is, is something out of the ordinary. And the fact is, the ordinary when it comes to companies is that they're doing good things. They're creating products and services, uh, and they're offering up to the marketplace at reasonable prices, and people are voluntarily deciding to purchase them. That's what 99.9% of all companies do. The fact that some companies happen to be populated with a few unscrupulous individuals should not mean that all companies should be painted with that same broad brush. And Todd, exactly. thanks, thanks for the call, and man. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Any more than the average individual goes through their day without harming anyone or doing anything wrong. Right. And th they shouldn't be painted with a brush simply because somebody goes out and kills somebody. Right. Enron is it's remarkable because it's very unusual. And that's all. It doesn't mean that every company is looking to screw you six ways to sunset. That's just not the case. They just want to provide you with a product or service and have you pay for it. In fact, somebody um, keeps sending me a story, which we should probably talk about, a guy who was arrested outside of a circuit city. Yeah. Uh, do you have that story, Mark? Oh, I've, been, I've gotten it three times. Yeah. Easy. Why don't you uh, – I know you want to get to your email. You've got an email. Let's get to that first. It's what happens when email first. one of our listeners called 911, and mm -hmm. we promised it over the weekend, and it got – pushed aside. So let's jump into that, shall we? This is from Ioana. I lost my faith in police officers on February the 4th, 2000. Yes, I remember the date. I could never forget it if I wanted to. It's my grandmother's birthday. That morning, my mom and I were getting ready to pick her up a cake from the bakery when we received a frantic call from my grandparents. My uncle, who was mentally retarded and had a few other ailments, had collapsed on the floor in his bedroom and was unable to move. Oh, dear. Everyone was panicked. Thank God we only lived a few minutes away. When we got there, my mom dialed 911, just like all people are taught to do from early childhood. Uh, excuse me. If there's an emergency, that's yep. what you're supposed to do. I lost my place there. <laughs> we, we didn't know it at the time, but my uncle had just lapsed into what had, we had been told was stiff man syndrome. Best way to describe it is um, it, it is all his nerves had fired at once, causing his muscles in his, the muscles in his body to stiffen to the point where not only was it painful, but he was unable to unclench his hands or come out of the tightened-up fetal position we found him in. Wow. He was confused and scared. My mom sat on the floor next to him and finally got him calmed down, and when the ambulance arrived, the paramedics, paramedics came in and began taking information. Within minutes, a cop car pulled up to uh -oh. the house. Everything would have been all right. I guess the officers were curious as to what was going on, and since my grandparents' neighborhood was going through a not-so-nice period, they came in to take a look. Hmm. Instead of calmly peeking in and seeing what, was ha what had happened, making sure no one was shot, stabbed, or robbed, they busted into my uncle's room, guns blazing. I hope that's just an allegory. Right? I, yeah, it can't be. True. Screaming orders, my mom tried to um, calmly tell them that everything was okay and that my uncle couldn't move. They told her to shut up and forced her oh, out of the room. Geez. Can you believe that? Sounds weird. After yes, I can believe it. Uh, we just read a story last week about the cops who came in and tasered a diabetic man for no reason. After that, they began shouting at him to open his hands and get up from the floor. Remember that he couldn't move if he wanted to, and he was tucked into a very tight fetal position. Toes, fingers, elbows, and knees all bent and clutched to the point of turning white. He cried and began to have a panic attack. He had no idea why he was in trouble or what he did wrong. This is a retarded guy, remember? Right. Um, he, he needed help. 
I can only guess what um, that the paramedics calmed down the officers because my mom grabbed me and pulled me into another bedroom. Everyone was shaken already, and the cops just made it worse. Up until that point, I'd lived my life believing the cops were um, there to pr- protect us, to help us, and to help catch the bad guys. Surprise, day, surprise. I saw I was wrong. They were there to exert force on the weakest element they could find. I was brought up in government schools, so I had no idea that that there were any other ideas or options out there. I mean, yes, the cops are horrible monsters. That's her opinion, not mine. At least they still showed up uh, two hours after a uh, shooting and were supposedly just doing their jobs. What could I do? Then last year, I found your show. My salvation. You spoke of the things that I spoke strongly about, freedom of choice, free speech, freedom. Thank you for opening my mind, the idea of uh, private sector, where the people, where those people would be held accountable for any wrongdoing that um, they may do. Damn right they would. That's one of the serious problems with having government police. More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. show is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. The single CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. And that includes the wiki. we got over 1,400 pages. We give it away. And you can edit the wiki to your heart's content. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. I said I had some audio to share tonight. And this is yet another one of those shockers uh, for people that just aren't quite aware of how clueless the American public can really be. This is one of those that's just going to hit it home for you. And it came from, uh, of all sites, TMZ.com, which is sort of a pop culture website where they talk about, you know, really important things like Paris Hilton. And, uh, but in this particular case, they went around with a microphone asking college kids. Now, this had been done before with people on the street in New York City, of all places. They were asking the question, what year did, September 11, did the September 11th attacks occur? In what year? Yeah, right. you would think in New York City, if the person could speak English, that they would likely know what year it was, considering that's where the the biggest of it all happened. And it hasn't been that long. No, it hasn't. <laughs> We're not and, talking decades here. Right. This is a huge, huge event in American history and recent history, and you would think this would be common knowledge amongst Americans. I think, according, according to the story we read back when we had the original audio from New York City, it was 30% didn't know what year the... Attacks happened in. 30%? Well, I can kind of see 30%, just because some people freak out when cameras are around. Now, in this case, this wasn't, there wasn't any percentages, nothing scientific about it, and there wasn't anything scientific about the other one. But it's just interesting, right? This time they did it to college kids who, you know, they're going to college. It's higher education. You'd think they might be a little more likely to be informed. Of course, they were, could be preteens when it all happened. Well, I, well, yeah, maybe you're right. But nonetheless, I mean, you would think I don't remember what year O.J. Simpson was convicted, but I do remember generally when when that that happened. Ninety four. That wasn't really as an earth shattering. That wasn't as earth shattering an event as uh, this particular one was. Anyway, let's go on with the uh, the audio from TMZ dot com. College kids being asked, what year did September 11th happen? What year did the September 11th attacks happen? <laughs> no. What year were the September 11th attacks? Uh, 2000-ish. Close. What year were the September 11th attacks? What year? 
It was attracting. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> oh, too. Okay. Have you seen Loose Change yet? Is she cute? Film? Not much, actually. Not much. You haven't seen Loose Change, the film? Um, I guess a little bit of change, but, I mean, as far as, like... Yeah, she's really cute, Mark. Everything's kind of back to normal, you know, I think. She didn't understand his question at all. No. It's, like, <laughs> it's she, almost like the beauty pageant. Yeah, mm-hmm. really. It was. And uh, <laughs> really She's cute, though. Wow. I mean, can you believe that? I mean, I'm no fan of loose change, necessarily, but just the fact that she didn't even get his question, nor did she pretend... I mean, she, was she trying to pretend like she understood what he said? Yes. Uh, and play it off as though she's smart? Well, what? <laughs> just bizarre. There's more. What year did the September 11th attacks happen? What year? 2003. Hey, what year did the September 11th attacks happen? I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember? I have to go. I have to go to class. 1997, maybe. Doesn't that concern you that you don't know? Not really, they say. There you go. Concerns him a lot more. Yeah. The youth of America. You know, well, that's so... what they're going to college for, you know. To what? Get learned to figure out when it happened. Oh, I see. <laughs> I thought they were going to college to get drunk. Uh, that's what they're doing. Yeah, that that does seem to be their priority, and uh, it's just sad. Uh, there's not really much else you can say about that audio besides, wow, oops. Now, to be fair, there was one guy at the end of the video that I cut out who did know what the uh, what the year was. But the ma- vast majority of the people they showed in the video, which again means nothing, doesn't mean anything, no- nothing scientific about this. But these kids were real, and their answers were real. So, you know, I sometimes get skeptical when I see the reports that like one in five or one in ten Americans can't locate the U.S. on uh, a world map. But mm-hmm. audio like that makes me be like, it's believable. <laughs> I think I just read recently, um, you know, some email or another, and I I didn't go any farther with it, that three out of four couldn't place the United States on the map. Now this was somewhere no. that's that's what I believe I read. Now I didn't I didn't do I didn't do any show prep on it or anything like that simply because you know, although I think people um are largely uninformed about the greater issues, I also th- at the same time think that the that nobody but um the American people or people in general are more capable of handling their own world than they are. So, um, you know, they'll make the right decisions in buying. You know, the the market as a whole will make the right decision. The market is made up of these same nimrods that don't know who Dick Cheney is. Mm-hmm. So I don't like to take too many shots at the nimrods, even if it's true. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll free line. On the way, we'll talk about this story that's all over our email boxes, at least, about the gentleman who was... I don't even know if he's a gentleman. The guy who was uh, arrested outside of a circuit city will tell you why or allegedly what happened there. But first, uh, just, just a contrast, uh, the, that audio of the dumb college kids. They don't even know when September 11th attacks happened. Contrast them with a couple of kids that actually know a thing or two about freedom. And that is from Post Falls. Smokes, uh, SpokesmanReview.com reporting that Zach Doty typically wears a tie and a dress shirt to church. But lately, a new accessory of his is raising alarm in Post Falls. After turning 18 last month, the Post Falls teenager began strapping a loaded 9mm Glock 19 handgun to his belt every day. He totes it in full view to Bible studies, the public library, city parks, and neighborhood stores, and on walks around town. His 15-year-old brother, Stephen, has joined him, carrying a loaded Ruger 22 caliber rifle slung over his shoulder. How old? 15. 
Okay. The brothers, who are homeschooled, say they're flexing their Second Amendment right, which allows citizens to bear arms. They say they're protecting themselves and others, deterring crime, and making a statement about constitutional freedoms. Zach said, quote, if you don't exercise a right, eventually it will go away. With a handgun tucked in his holster on his hip, he said, I'd like to raise people's awareness that it's a right, and I hope to encourage others to exercise that right. The brothers are stirring up concern about citizen safety and gun responsibility. Residents have alerted police and complained to the city. Police officers have stopped the boys on several occasions in the past six weeks. And city officials say the brothers' actions might lead to restrictions on carrying weapons on public property within city limits. At this time, the city doesn't have an ordinance. Just carrying the weapon. There hasn't been any incident. No one's been hurt or anything like that. Just carrying the weapon. Some of the more touchy citizens have been upset. This is upsetting. There are people with guns around here. But, you know, the, the thing is, if something happens and those boys need to use their guns to protect people, then they're heroes. Yes, they would be. So the only thing you're going to do is outlaw the law-abiding citizens from carrying the weapons, and you're not going to outlaw the outlaws. And city officials say the brothers' action may lead to restrictions. Uh, Quote, it obviously has created some controversy in the community. We're fielding a significant number of calls from concerned citizens about how we're going to react to this and how we're going to ensure their safety is upheld said the city administrator, quote, it's really a matter of defining things very carefully and balancing, maintaining one's rights and what has to become the norm of society. Well, it's something we're really going to have to examine. Well, if, if they're getting the, these calls, shouldn't they be getting calls from the other side, too? What, the people that support gun freedom? Yeah. Well, they should be, but that's not typically what you do. You don't What's his call name? The, what, the kid? No, the uh, city the administrator. Uh, this guy is Post Falls City, uh, city Administrator Eric Kick. K-I-C-K? K-E-C-K, Kick. Okay, and uh, it's Post Post Falls, Iowa. Post Falls, Idaho. Iowa. Excuse me, Idaho. Idaho. Post Falls, Idaho. Eric Kick. He needs some calls. Yeah. Well, Idaho law generally allows people over the age of 18 to carry a handgun in plain view. According to the police chief, from 13 to 17, teens may openly carry a rifle with permission from a parent or guardian. After age 21, citizens may apply for a permit to carry a concealed weapon. And then it goes on to say that firing a gun is unlawful within city limits and guns are prohibited on school grounds, but the teens are legally carrying the guns. And the practice is certainly out of the ordinary. Uh, The police chief says, I've been chief here for over 19 years and we've never had anyone elect to exercise their rights in this way. He says that the public and law enforcement will need to grow accustomed to the site. Quote, I don't think it's necessary to overreact to two individuals who elect to exercise their right to carry a firearm. Good. Thank goodness the police chief in this case has a level head. Yeah, like it says it's illegal to carry them on school property. Well, luckily they're homeschooled, so I'm yep. sure that's mighty legal there. Exactly right. And these guys are great. Uh, we need more people like these young men in, in this country. In the few areas that we actually still have the freedom to open carry firearms, it should be done, and I understand it upsets some people, but that's okay. Um, free speech upsets some people, too. If it's something you don't like to hear, then close your ears and walk away. If it's something you don't like to see, go somewhere else. Because in my business and in many other people's businesses, individuals carrying firearms is a welcome kind of a customer to have in there. Please, bring your firearms in my store. I don't mind. You're just keeping my customers safe. Thank you for that. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. Though I do think it's interesting that in 19 years, no one in that town had ever open carried until now. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching in hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Let's start things out this hour by getting to a story that has... Whenever a story comes in from several listeners... I tend to take it a little seri- a little more seriously. And actually, this is one that I just sort of had pushed aside. The first, the first couple emails that came in, I said, because eh. after I read the story, I just didn't like the guy that was writing it. And so, therefore, I didn't really want to, I wasn't really too interested in talking about it. But it kept coming in. So, we should probably talk about it. It's the Circuit City allegation. What is this story, Mark? Well, since you don't like him, I'll go ahead and read it. Okay. Today was an eventful day. Um, I guess I should give this guy's name. It's uh, Michael R I G H I dot com. Rai? Riki? I don't know. Anyway, it's his blog. It's his blog, so take it with a grain of salt. Today was an eventful day. I drove to Cleveland, reunited with my father's side of the family, and got arrested. More on the arrested part to come. For the Labor Day weekend, my father decided to host a small family reunion. My sister flew in from California, and I drove in from Pittsburgh to see my father his wife, and little brother and sister. Shortly after arriving, we packed the whole family into my father's Buick and headed off to the grocery store to buy some ingredients to make monkey bread. It's my little sister's birthday, and that was her cute, bizarre birthday request. Next to the grocery store was the Circuit City, the Brooklyn, Ohio Circuit City, to be exact. Um, Having forgotten that it was my sister's birthday, I decided to run in and buy her a last-minute gift. I settled on Disney's Cars game for the Nintendo Wii. I also needed to purchase a Power Squid surge protector, which I paid for separately with my business card, credit card. As I uh, headed toward the exit doors, I passed a gentleman whose name I would later learn is Centura. As I began to walk towards the door, Centura said, Sir, I need to examine your receipt. I responded by continuing to walk past him while saying, No, thank you. As I walked through the double doors, I heard Centura yelling for his manager behind me. My father and the family had the Buick pulled up, waiting for me outside the doors to the Circuit City. I opened the door and got into the back seat while Santura and his manager, whose name I have since learned is Joe Atha, came running up to the vehicle. I closed the door, and as my father was just about to pull away, um, the manager, Joe, yelled for us to stop. Of course, I knew what this was all about, but I played dumb and pretended that I didn't know what the problem was. I wanted to give Joe the chance to explain what all the fuss was for. I reopened the door to talk with Joe, and at this point Joe positioned his body between the open car door and myself. I was still seated in the Buick. Joe placed his left hand on the roof of the car and his right hand on the open car door. I asked Joe if there was a problem. The conversation went something like this. Me, is there a problem? Joe, I need to examine your bag and receipt before letting you leave this parking lot. Me, I paid for the contents in this bag. Are you accusing me of stealing? Joe, I'm not accusing you of anything but I'm allowed by law to look through your bag when you leave. Me. Which law states that? Name the law that gives you the right to examine my bag and when I leave leave Circuit City. Of course, Joe wasn't able to name the law that gives him, a U.S. citizen and Circuit City employee, the right to examine anything that I, a U.S. citizen and Circuit City customer, am carrying out of the store. 
I've dealt with these scare tactics at other stores in the past, including Circuit Cities, Best Buys, and Guitar Centers. I've always taken the stance that retail stores shouldn't treat their loyal customers as criminals, and the customers shouldn't so willingly give up their rights along with their money. Theft sucks, and I wish the shoplifters were treated more harshly than they are, but the fact is that I am not a shoplifter, and I shouldn't have to forfeit my civil rights when leaving a store. Okay. Uh, You know, before we get to the part of the story that's actually worth telling, I'd like to talk about this. Okay. Because as somebody who has a bit of a history working in retail, I've uh, done my time, if you will. It's been three and a half years in the world of uh, the big Kmart, uh, and worked uh, fairly closely with loss control at that time. I think that this guy is a jerk. Yeah, that's how it came off to me when I first read the article, too. I read it, and I was like, eh, well, I worked in retail, too. I used to work at Walgreens and dealing with this. And, you know, personally, I don't mind the people checking my receipt because it keeps my cost lower on the other end. When there's exactly. someone there at the front of the store making sure people aren't stealing, I voluntarily don't have a problem with it because it keeps my other costs lower. So Right. And, um, the, and, and Michael, I believe his name is. Yes. Michael mm-hmm. had... He didn't have to go into Circuit City to buy cars for the Nintendo Wii. That was a decision that he made. And by the sounds of it, he knows that it's Circuit City's policy to check receipts. I've had them check my bag. I generally, you know, I I can't say that I give them a big hug when they do it or anything like that. I let them go through the bag. Okay, see you later. Goodbye. It doesn't it it just doesn't affect me. It's their store. They want to know whether it's it's a good policy as far as I'm concerned. It um, you know it may very well cut down on loss um, you know in the store. The fact is it it has to. Um, if it didn't, they wouldn't be doing it. Uh, for instance, when I worked at Kmart, there was no such thing. And I think in most Kmart's there still isn't. They just you know it's just not that kind of store, and they don't have that policy in place. They're not dealing with it. I, I think that electronics, first of all, is a lower margin business. You don't make as much mm-hmm. on electronics, and so you know you've got to make sure you keep your overhead as low as possible to remain competitive with the other electronics retailers. And the reason why you're seeing this at more and more electronics retailers is because it's effective. Um, because I remember one time there was somebody that came into the big Kmart where I worked. They took a th- stereo system off of the shelf. Big, one of those big three-piece stereo systems, mm-hmm. and they threw it in a, in a shopping cart and took it right up front and walked right out the front door with it. And, if, of course, if there had been someone checking receipts at the front door, they never would have even considered that particular um, operation. Right. And so the fact is, if this wasn't effective, if these retailers spend money to do studies on what works and what doesn't as far as loss control is right. concerned. And uh, this obviously is an effective tactic. The fact that you have a man standing at the front of the store, in the case of a Best Buy, you know, looking at a monitor with the cameras on it and checking people as they come out is a deterrent. It's not them accusing every one of their customers of theft. It's just a theft deterrent. And I, as a customer, feel great about handing my receipt over to those people because I know that that's one of the things that's helped, as you said, Toby, helping keeping prices low in the store. Because if they lose products out that front door, they have to make up that co- those costs somewhere else, and that means they'll raise your prices. Right. I've never been to the Circuit City and paid any attention to whatever signage they have on the way in and the way out. But if there was a sign that says your bag may be checked uh, for you know your con- the contents of your bag may be checked against the receipt, would that make it all better, Michael Regi? Would it? Because I don't think that it. Uh, I think that this. Guy's, I think he'd still be a jerk. Right. I think he's just upset about um, being quote unquote treated like a thief. And that's not what they're doing. I don't feel like that is. They've got a they've got a policy in place to prevent uh, stealing, shoplifting. Now, Big I'd, deal. I'd like to say 
And I'd love to hear from people that are in currently in the retail business as to what the current state of affairs is with these policies, because I've never actually worked in a store where they had the, the doorman, essentially. I would love to know how this works at 800-259-9231. But I feel like while the customer certainly was a jerk, the manager could have handled things a little more tactfully. Well, the manager probably um, really got the impression that somebody, he was probably told by his employee, this is what I'm guessing, this Santura, mm-hmm. likely, there's a guy stealing something. Something, right? So that's different than a guy wouldn't let me check his bag. Well, you don't know what he said. You're no, presuming. I'm just saying. Right, I am making a presumption. But, but even if he just, even if he said the guy wouldn't let me check his bag, I can sort of understand why the manager was probably frustrated and maybe wasn't as as uh, tactful as he might have normally been. Because the way he described his story is that his family was waiting outside of the. Right. right, right outside of the front door. Like a door. getaway car. Exactly, mm-hmm. with a getaway car. And, of course, he probably, that's what he was thinking at that time. And so he said, allegedly, he said, I'm not accusing you of anything, but I'm allowed by law to look through your bag when you leave. I think that was a mistake. I think appealing to the law as your authority it was a problem. I think that it would have made more sense if he'd simply said, sir, it's just store policy that we check receipts when people leave. And, uh, you know, if you have a problem with that, then we may just simply refuse to uh, to do business with you in the future. Then don't come back. Right. Yeah. Go to one of those top-end stores where there's no one but you in the store, and you can pay ten times as much. Right. You can buy your, um, you know, video camera from the guy in a tuxedo if right. that makes you happy. Okay. So I just didn't think it was a, as tactful of a response as the manager should have uh, should have taken in that situation. But that said, the guy's a jerk. Okay. Anyway, there is a good part to his story. Back to Michael's uh, story. Twice I asked Joe to back away from the car so that I could close the door. Joe refused. On three occasions, I tried to pull the door closed, but Joe pushed back on the door with his hip and hands. I then gave Joe three options. Accuse me of shoplifting and call the police. I will gladly wait for them to arrive. Back away from the car so that I can close the door and drive away. Or three, if you refuse to let me leave, I will be forced to call the police. We'll find out what happened here in moments. 800-259-9231 at the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Do you work in retail? Are you someone who works specifically for the loss control department? And what comments do you have on this story? This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. That's 800-259-9231. We're inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Look, if you are one of these people that gets really uppity about having your receipt checked at the front door of a Best Buy or a Circuit City or something like that, then don't go. I mean, that's the most effective way to protest. Instead of being a, a jerk about it and, and getting an attitude, just don't even shop there in the first place. Why would you want to even give a company like that your money if indeed this is an issue for you? Go shop at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. There are no cash register lines. There's nobody checking your receipt at the front door. There's not even a front door. There's just your front door, which is where your products will be delivered to. So go shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you start your shopping experience through that link... Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. We're talking about a story from Michael Rigi, Rigi, Rigi. Anyway, Rigi. Anyway, he uh, he allegedly went to a circuit city where he was asked uh, to show his receipt upon walking out. He took this personally. He took it as though it was uh, them accusing him of stealing, which of course it's not. They're just simply asking for your receipt to deter theft. 
because they know that having somebody at the front door asking to see receipts and hovering over a monitor showing camera views is a a deterrent to theft, which helps keep prices low, helps keep them competitive, and keep them in business. It's not like they're they're the police and trying to shake you down for some illegal substance or something. Yeah, I'm sorry. You, Michael, are not being a hero by standing up to the door checker at Circuit City. <laughs> Protecting all of our Fourth Amendment rights. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's just, I think the guy's kind of sad. I think that this attitude, though, I think you're going to see that this is an attitude that's probably fairly common amongst uh, young males with a lot of testosterone inside them. And I think it's unfortunate. I think it's just simply based in the fact that they don't understand what loss control is. They don't understand the reasons for all of this. You know, the fact is that if we didn't have a war on drugs in this country, that uh, uh, theft and shoplifting would be down dramatically. And maybe we wouldn't need all of these uh, measures. Maybe, Maybe if it weren't for the war on drugs and all the crackheads out there trying to steal as much stuff as they possibly can then uh, we wouldn't need these uh, these necessities. But for whatever reason, Best Buy and Circuit City and the like have decided that this is a necess- necessary measure to take in order to keep their products from being uh, from being walking right out the, fr- the front door, right. from and, shrinkage, as they call it in the business. And I don't think this guy's going across this the right approach at all. At this point, we left the story of um, he's no longer wanting to just deal with a the manager and the security guard, he's wanting to bring the police into this, which is something that I would really want to stay clear of myself. If there's a problem, I I don't want to escalate it with getting the police involved, but his tactics are a little bit different. I don't think the manager here was handling this situation very well either. For instance, the manager came out and then threatened them with the law, said that he had it was he had the right by law to look in their bag, which that's not necessarily true. He does have the right by, you know, reserving the right as a business. That's part of what they could do as a business. And if you don't want to look and allow them to look in your bag, then they can tell you to well take a hike. We're never going to sell anything to you again. Um, but then the manager even went went even further by allegedly standing in between the car door and the man and putting his hand on the car door and preventing it from being closed. They don't really have, as I recall, they don't really have the ability to detain you once you're outside of the store. Um, if they want to bring the police in, they can do that and have the police make make those decisions. But once you've left the store, they have no ability to physically stop you. And so the fact that the the manager was allegedly doing these things, once again, shows he wasn't really handling this in a professional manner. Well, um, it was in the parking lot, and that's their property, and so it seems to me like he can do what he feels like is necessary to, to detain someone. Probably if you've got, uh, you know, a guy getting into the, uh, you know, 2003 Buick Roadmaster full of the family, you're, you're thinking he's not going to pull out a gun and start smoking people. So I don't have a real problem with the uh, – the manager probably believed this guy was, in fact, stealing. Probably did. Uh, but so the, the cop that was called did. He gave him three choices, accuse me of shoplifting and call the police, or back away from the car so I can close the door and leave, or if you refuse to let me leave, I'll be forced to call the police. Why don't you continue the story, Mark? Okay. What happened here? So, <clears throat> which is that we've already found out dialing 911 is usually a bad idea. It says here, Joe didn't budge. At this point, I pushed my way past Joe and walked onto the sidewalk next to the building. I pulled out my phone, dialed 911. Two minutes later, Brooklyn, Ohio, police officer Ernie... Arroyo arrived on the scene. As I began to explain the story leading up to the um, to Joe Atha preventing my egress from the parking lot, Officer Arroyo began to question why I refused to show my receipt in the first place. I explained that I lawfully purchased the contents in the bag and didn't feel that it was necessary for me to let a Circuit City employee inspect the bag as I left. Officer Arroyo disagreed. 
He claimed the stores have the right to inspect all receipts and all bags upon leaving their store. At this point, Officer Arroyo asked... And they do. And the reason for that, beyond the fact that having a man standing up front is a deterrent to theft, there's also an old trick in the, you know, the world of shoplifting. What you do is you, you know, you get your bag, right, your Circuit City bag Mm -hmm. or fill-in-the-blank store bag. You buy something legitimately, so you get a bag. And then you leave the store, you take the bag, and you put it in your pocket. And then you go back into the store where you then remove said bag from your pocket and proceed to drop items in it. Then you try to walk out the front door looking like you're just another shopper, right? right. You've just, and hey, I just checked out. This is my bag. I, I paid for these items. I don't know how this Circuit City is set up, but I've been in Circuit Cities where the cash register isn't necessarily right in the front of the store where they can see all the people are buying stuff. Some of them mm-hmm. are spread out throughout the store. So this guy could have come from the middle of the store somewhere in back where um, with a bag that he could have grabbed an MP3 player, shoved it in there. Right. Now, yeah. to be fair, he would also have to defeat the magnetic uh, tabs that are also on many, many items in the stores, Mm -hmm. but that's also a possibility as well. And good shoplifters know how to do that, too. Right. At this point, Officer Arroyo asked to see my receipt and driver's license. I handed over the receipt and stated that my name is Michael Regi. Again, Officer Arroyo asked to see my driver's license. The conversation went like this. (laughs) Me. I'm required um, by law to state that my name is Michael Regi. I do not have to provide you with my driver's license since I am not operating a vehicle. Officer Arroyo said, give me your driver's license or I will place you under arrest. (laughs) <laughs> Quite the conversation. <laughs> and I said, me, my name is Michael Regi. I am not willing to provide you with my driver's license. Turn around and put your hands against the wall. <laughs> At this point, I was placed in handcuffs and patted down. And my wallet was removed from my back pocket and was placed in the back of Officer Royo's police car. My three siblings sat in the back of the Buick, crying their eyes out, which is the only part of the day which I regret. I wish my little brother and sisters didn't have to watch this, but I knew exactly what I was doing and was very careful with my words. Other than putting my family through a little scare, I didn't regret anything that happened today. Now, at this point, I'm in support of this guy. Before this this part of the story, he's just a jerk, and I still think he's a jerk, uh, but nonetheless... You should not have to show identification to a police officer. I think that Circuit City failed in one thing. I don't know for certain, but likely they don't have a sign up that says I've I've been I was in a Circuit City yesterday. We reserve the right. Yeah, we reserve the right to check uh, bags, you know, against receipts on the way out. Do they have a guy checking receipts? I've never seen that at Circuit City. I have seen it at Circuit City. I have not seen it the one here in Keene, New Hampshire. Okay. Um, but I have seen it. So if the Circuit City doesn't have a sign, then they haven't posted their rules, and I think that's a little unfair. How do you feel about this guy? He knew it because it's happened before. Do you feel like, uh, do you agree with us that this guy is just a jerk and just a stick in the mud? Or do you think that he's uh, standing on some principle here by not showing his receipt to the retailer? 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line, especially if you've been involved in retail or loss control and you can specify for us what the rules really are about someone leaving the store with merchandise. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free. 
including the archives. An entire year's worth of the show, front page of the site, for your downloading convenience. Just go grab them up for free, freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. All right, so we're reading a story from Michael Rigi. What is it, Rigi? Rigi. Rigi. And he's uh, he's an uppity jerk who doesn't like to show his receipt when he goes to purchase things at electronic stores. And in this particular case, after refusing to show his receipt and, and you know, causing a bit of a commotion as a result, uh, and he was dealing with a manager who was probably out of line at the same time, uh, he decided to call in a cop because the manager was attempting to prevent him from leaving the premises without showing his receipt. I bet Michael doesn't make this mistake again. Oh, it sounds like he's done this before. The, the calling the police mistake. Probably right, because the, then the cop came along and actually arrested Michael at that point, and it's only at the point of his arrest that I come to agree with what Michael has to say, and that is that the cop arrested him for not showing his identification. That's absolutely and true. in a free country, you should not have to show your papers. Uh, the only place in America where you're, by law, as I understand it, supposed to show papers is when you are driving. So when you're driving, the cop asks you to show your, your driver's license, then you're supposed to show it to him at that point. But if you're a passenger in the car, you, aren't, you don't have to show any identification to a cop. Right. They'll come ask for it, but you don't have to show it. I mean, Right. If you're walking on the street, you don't have to show any identification to the cop. They and won't tell you that, of course. So I, I feel uh, – I understand where he's coming from on this. I empathize with him on that part of his story. But because he's such a jerk, I don't really feel like reading the rest of it. So let's continue with the phone calls and uh, looking for Circuit City uh, comments on the loss control situation. Because this guy refuses to show his receipt. I just don't think he understands. He feels like they're accusing him of stealing. That's not what's happening at all. Uh, but would like to know from somebody who's worked in loss control, what is the law? I mean, what is the uh, – what are the rules – that you're supposed to follow when it comes to a customer leaving the store premises and what you are and are not allowed to do in regards to detaining him. Let's go to the phones uh, for your thoughts on this. Uh, and also, how do you feel about this Michael Rigi uh, guy? Was he was he out of line, as I'm suggesting that he was, by you know refusing to show his receipt? Or do you support him uh, in his endeavors? Let's go to the phones and talk first to Neil in California. Neil, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, gentlemen. How's it going? What's Good. on your mind, Neil? Uh, yeah, I was just wanting to make a few comments with regard to this uh, Ricci guy. Um, he he might I, I can understand where he's coming from with regard to thinking that he has rights to do what he did, and I used to think in his manner. Uh, however, uh, that was up and until I understood the concept of property rights uh, in, in its full extent. I mean, he consented to going into the store in the first place, therefore putting himself under the absolute jurisdiction of the owners of the business. So, what? Uh, so, with regard to that, I don't necessarily think he is a jerk, although I would consider him sadly mistaken. A little misguided. He sounds like he, if he, he if he focused his energy maybe against the real problem, which is government, um, he might be on the right page, but he seems really misguided to me. Yeah, he's, he's um, I don't know if this was just an accident. I mean, he sounds like a crusader for this. It sounds like whenever he goes to an electronic store, this is how he behaves. So yeah, I think he's trying to make a difference. Yeah, well, I, I maybe, maybe he is. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know the guy. 
but yeah, I mean, I can understand, you know, not wanting to have your stuff rifled through, but at the same time, I mean, it, I, I mean, that sort of thing is is fine whenever you have, have security guards and stuff doing it. It's when it's when you it's when the government steps in or when you want the government to step in that it causes all the problems. Well, you think it's fine, but people like Michael don't think it's fine, and they get very upset about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys already offered the solution. You know, just don't go to the stores. Exactly. Very simple. And not only no, don't go, but also go ahead and send them an email or send them some snail mail or call their cu- customer service line and let them know how invasive you feel this is and uh, you know let them know you won't be shopping there in the future. Absolutely. There you go, Neil. Simple. Thanks for the call, dude. We yep. appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to Tom in Indianapolis. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hello. Hey, guys. Um, I wanted to say that I felt pretty good about that, hearing about that kid who's uh, exercising his rights to open carry. Yes, uh, the young and, men we talked about in hour number one. Yeah, he's uh, he's really crusading for that uh, for that uh, particular uh, right to open carry. Just like this fellow, Michael is crusading for the right not to be searched when you leave a store. Now well, you can make the choice of not going into the store. I understand that. Right. But unless you've signed up a membership contract like you would at Sam's Club or uh, one of those membership stores. Uh, they don't have a right to unlawfully detain you. No, they don't. Um, and that's why I said that the the manager was out of line by putting his hand on the person's car. So I understand that uh, Circuit City uh, crew, and again, these are all allegations from this guy. We don't know if it's hold true. Hold on. Wait, wait a second before we go any farther. Yeah. Suppose um, – the caller's name, I'm sorry. Tom. Tom. Tom, Tom uh, if you came to my house and I suspected that you took – Something I don't know. Maybe I had a uh, a gold American Eagle sitting out on the coffee table, and for some reason I had misplaced it. But I thought that you had it. Do I have the right um, to, in my front yard as you're walking out to your car to say, "Hey, I want to go through your pockets"? Absolutely not. Why not? You're on my front yard. Well, hey, you don't own me. I'm a, I'm free. What if I saw uh, you take it? Well, if you saw me take it, then tell me to give it back. You know, can you, I, can, you can you can disinvite me if you'd like. You can bar me from the store. You can tell me not to shop there. But unless you make those rules clear to me as a customer of Circuit City, uh, you have no right to stop me and ask me to show you anything. Well, actually, you, you do. Well, hold on. You're confused. You no, do have a right to ask, but you don't have a right to force anybody to do anything. And in the okay. case of the Circuit City management, he was out of line by putting his hand on the, the man's vehicle and attempting to physically prevent him from leaving. I'm not sure that I think that that's necessarily t- so. Tom. Well, Mark, think about this. Hold on just a second. Before I go any farther, Tom, suppose yeah. I'm certain. I, I believe in my own mar- um, heart. It may or may not be true. doesn't matter. Um, that you have in your pocket my gold piece, and you're not going to let me search you. Do I have a right to pull out my Glock um, 19 and hold you there until the police come? Well, do the police have a right to search me based on your suspicion? I don't think so. Hey, if you have a gold eagle sitting out on your table, Mark. Oh, I'm maybe a fool. If, if maybe you should uh, maybe you should tighten up your your uh, your policies about how you have stuff sitting out. I, I mean, would agree. I'm a fool. If your cash registers aren't close enough to the door where you can observe a customer leaving with the merchandise that they lawfully own and possess, um, then that's your problem. You ought to move your cash registers closer. Don't condition the rest of us to, to bow to authority, just like you wouldn't want to have papers shown at, at, uh, at, uh, to the police if you're not driving, right? Why should you show this paper receipt to a probably off-duty Cop working security for for Best Buy. It's ludicrous. Well, you you're guys voluntarily are, are doing it. So now hold on. Here. What if I put up a sign? Um, now in this case, what if I the suggestion? I hear what you've you've said on that, and I'm I'm done sure. with that particular instance. Now, what if Circuit City puts up a sign that says, "Your bag may be checked against your receipt." I'll 
spin my foot right around when I walk in and see that sign, and that's why they don't have it because there's a lot of people that they're you know that aren't going to. Be oh, I don't think that that's true for a second like because a, I think they do check bags. I've seen them do it, and people well, sure. are still buying at Circuit City. That's on a spot basis. It's not every person. Oh no, it's not every person. Receipt. No. I would would never suggest that it was. For it's deterrent. when they have enough people to uh, staff somebody at the front right. door. And it's also yeah. a deter- deterrent effect of uh, you don't need to do it to everyone. You just need to do it to a few so that people think, well, there's a chance that it would happen to me. Well, sure. That's you know that's a great way to condition people. You know, if you think about it, really, the alarm goes off when you're walking out the door with some merchandise that wasn't properly de-alarmed at the, mm-hmm. at the point of sale. Um, that's a problem with the way they do things in the business, and it shouldn't obligate you to spend one second of your time trying to improve the way that they do business. I mean, people like me vote with our feet, and we don't, you know, we don't go back to places like that. And, oh, I, I think that you're totally, and, totally um, capable of voting with your feet. Now, sure. likely, if I believed you had a gold, uh, my gold coin in your pocket, I would hold a gun on you until the police came if you didn't let me search you. That's but, fine. Well, that's what I would I do. Would, I wouldn't have a problem with that. You want to use that kind of force on me, and you want to initiate force? That's fine, Mark. That's just how far you guys have fallen. No, initiation force is perceptual. I believe that you initiated force on me. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. So Tom believes that this is all part of a plot to uh, condition people to accept authority. You might be right. Let's look at that here in a moment. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Say CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Toby. You, and Mark. Oh, you, you're still I'm here? I'm still here, yeah. Oh, hi. Uh, and Remember you can me? join us. Uh, Sitting over here initiating force. Well, the last caller said that uh, you'd fallen off, or I said, figured you'd disappeared. Anyway, uh, we'll get to the, his accusations here in a moment. 1-800-259-9231. You can also join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free. So if you like the show and you want to help support us, then you can go and buy some stuff at our store, where we don't check any receipts because it's online. You go to store.freetalklive.com. All kinds of great Free Talk Live branded merchandise just sitting there waiting for you to buy it store.freetalklive.com everything from hats to t-shirts to hoodies uh, we've even got DVD classic archive collector sets we've got flags store.freetalklive.com let's go unscreened to the amplifier line who's this you're on Free Talk Live this is Rob in Georgia hey Rob what's on your mind well I want to talk about this uh, kid in Ohio who uh, was uh, brought in by the police for not producing his license and all this stuff yeah well, you obviously do have the, dis- the different issues of private property versus whether or not you have to produce your identity to authorities. Now, um, apparently in Ohio, essentially you can't refuse any police request. They basically passed a law uh, apparently in the wake of the Patriot Act, which essentially gives police unlimited authority for all practical purposes. Yikes. So, so by Ohio law, he actually was violating the law. Yes, he has to. They mean that's what they do. Well, that's, that's not what they charged him with, but, yeah. or something like that. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. so officer official you know, duties, it's, it's that kind like of federal prosecutors. They can just make up stuff. Mm-hmm. Just gotcha. So, so uh, there's that problem. He lives in essentially a police state. Apparently, Ohio is the only places like that, actually, hmm. that, to that extent, that is. Um, now, as far as him producing um, the, re- the receipt and all that sort of stuff on the way out, I think there is something of a government angle here, and, and it's this. What I, what I see is that as the, the police state has risen, and particularly when you start dealing with the war on drugs and victimless crimes, mm-hmm. what that has made, what, 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 is the, what has effectively happened is that we now have a culture in which 
it has become acceptable to stop people and demand that they prove themselves that they are where they're supposed to be and doing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That creates the culture which essentially allows stores to do this sort of thing. I really don't believe this sort of behavior would have been possible by any store 40 years ago. Okay. 40 years ago, they probably didn't have the kind of shrinkage that they, uh, that they do today, then the problem, is, problems with I'm, shoplifting. I'm, I, this is very well true, but I think that they probably would have developed other ways of dealing with these sorts of issues because people would not be accustomed to someone just being able to stop them. And I think that that, that that is increasingly becoming a very common sort of mindset that, you know, people – and people blur the lines. And I think government is really kind of complicit, and they want this to happen. They don't understand the difference between the right of private property, that is, I can set whatever rules I want, and government, which shouldn't be able to set any rules that it wants. And people don't understand the differences. And I think intentionally government wants you to blur those lines. They want to say, okay, the same right that a private property owner has – on his private property, the government has everywhere, including on his private property. Yeah, yeah. I see where you're coming from on that. So I, so I think that part of it is a cultural thing, which the government is somewhat complicit in. Um, but, but, and, and then there's also, the, there's also the matter that whenever you start dealing with businesses, businesses always have to go through all kinds of government who, who just, just to be in business. They have tariffs they have to pay in order to get these goods. They have all these licenses and stuff. You, mm-hmm. can't, just, you can't just open up a store out of, your, out, of your, um, out, of your, out of the back of your house and just order some stuff off of eBay and, just start, and set up a storefront. Now, if you could, you would have a lot more competition, and this sort of thing wouldn't be an issue anyway. It's probably true. So, so you get, it, it kind of gets into this whole little, and that's one of the problems with the state. You end up having... You end up having these things which, yeah, they're private, but there's a lot of government that has kind of to do with how things work the way that they work as well. And people get very confused on it because they don't really think about where the government starts and where other stuff begins. Sure, which is why... And it's very I... important for people to really think about that sort of thing. That, And if more people stood up to the state when it did these sorts of things, we would start to see those lines being more and more clarified and then people could, it would be much easier for people to say, okay, now I understand I'm voting with my feet on this because this is something I'm clearly making a choice on, and this is something where I need to stand up to uh, the government doing this because, I mean, these are my tax dollars and I'm being forced to do this on my own property. I'm with you, Rob. Thanks for the comments, sir. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I see what he's saying, and I agree with it. Uh, the idea that, and I mentioned, touched on this earlier, the war on drugs is one of the major factors as far as why shoplifting is so prevalent in this society. Uh, these drug addicts, they need cash. They need to get their next hit of crack or meth, and they will do whatever it takes in order to get products from stores to a fence uh, to a pawn shop or something in order to turn them into cash. Uh, in many cases, uh, I, I, we, I was telling you the other day that Julia and I were reading stories from meth addicts and crack addicts just to see what it's like when you hit the bottom of the barrel. And there are certain times when you don't have the money you need for your next hit of crack, and you go see the dealer. And the dealer will tell you, uh, yeah, I need to get this and this and this from the store. Go steal it for, for me. Mm. So the dealers don't do their own stealing. They have their crack addicts go out and steal stuff from stores, bring the stuff back, and if they're successful in their endeavor, they are rewarded with a hit of crack cocaine. And so you can imagine how much sort of, I mean, that's just one person's story. You can multiply that out times the million crackheads there are in America, and you can get some idea for the uh, the amount of shoplifting that's going on in America. So, um, you know, the, the dealers say, go steal it for me, or they they just say, I want this. 
Well, I mean, they, that's you don't have money, so you're certainly. I mean, if you had money, you'd be paying the dealer cash. So the dealer knows exactly how you're getting your hands on those items. Anyway, um, I I want to address Tom's allegation, and Rob touched on it that this is all part of a, a plot to desensitize you to authority. And I think that if you consider the guy that stands a friendly guy, and yes, some of them are off-duty cops or ex-cops and that sort of thing, or wannabe cops, but that doesn't matter. If you consider the guy at the front door of Best Buy an authority, you're confused. He's not an authority. He's just a guy standing in front of a monitor. And as Tom pointed out, and rightfully so, in the world of retail, they, unless you have agreed specifically by perhaps a sign on the door as you walk in, as you suggested, Mark, or with a Sam's Club, by specifically signing a membership agreement. Unless you have specifically agreed to allow your bags to be searched upon exiting the store, then indeed you can refuse to allow it. And so the guy who we were originally talking about was well within his rights to refuse that. He's a jerk for doing so, in my opinion, but he was not. it, it is not a requirement for, for him to show his bags. That's why they ask you to show your bags. They don't require it of you. Now, um, when he was requested to uh, show what was his receipt in his bag, he also had the option of just going, turning around and going up to the uh, customer service desk and returning his items and leaving empty-handed. Sure did. And that's another thing he refused to do. So, um, you know, not only do you have a store whose policies you may or may not agree with, I don't have a problem with them personally. Obviously, he doesn't disagree that much. He keeps shopping there. Right. And and that's that's really Just the so part he can that, keep doing this crap. that sticks in my craw about this whole thing, is that he uh, somehow or another just thinks it's okay to keep going back and giving these people the same kind of right. trouble over and over again. Look, this is how they do business. If you don't like it, stay the hell away. I have no problem with the way they do business in this particular case. I understand the situation with loss uh, loss control in this country. So, uh, theft is out of control. In fact, I've got an email here from a Best Buy employee that sort of outlines some of the reasons why they have the policies that they do and some of the benefits to customers that they may not necessarily realize. Maybe we'll get to that in hour number three. But the the, the gentleman we're talking about was within his rights to refuse to show his receipt. Similarly... Had the manager been more tactful with him, the manager would have also been within his rights to say, Sir, uh, we have your photo that we've taken via our camera system in the store. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but theoretically they could set up a system that photographed every single person as they left the store. Mm-hmm. And they could simply say, Sir, we are going to uh, ensure that uh, you, you know, we're not interested in having your business in the future. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Right. And just left it at that. Wasn't he initiating force on him by taking his picture without his prior knowledge? No. Uh, then, that can, then You know what? That jumps back to something I wanted to point out to Tom, but he hung up. Uh, I wanted to point out that, well, if you think this is conditioning people to be uh, subject to authority, then at what point do you, you know, what point, how much loss control devices are unacceptable to you? I mean, you, when you're walking into that store, you should know there are cameras trained on you Every single moment that you're walking around. Does that disturb you as well? Does that upset you? How about the little security tags that they put on the products? Does it upset you that you're a suspected criminal and that's why that, because uh, you know, that's the attitude here. Is you're treating me like I'm a suspected criminal. Well, uh, we're videotaping you at all times. Does that mean we suspect you as a criminal? Uh, we're also, you know, watching you. We're making sure you don't walk out the front door with a product by putting magnetic tags in them. Does that mean we suspect you're a criminal? 
Now, it doesn't mean we think you're specifically a criminal, we in the world of retail. It simply means that we understand that there are people that look like regular folks that are shoplifters. There's no way to look at somebody in the eyes and determine whether or not they're a thief. So these are things that these businesses have decided to do. Hour three's coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves as we launch into hour number three of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Continuing a topic from last hour, the topic is bag checks at your local favorite electronic specialty store. Best uh, Best Buy, Circuit City, I don't know what other ones do it, but I presume there are some other uh, maybe regional retailers that also engage in this practice. A lot of people get very upset. A lot of people feel like their rights are being violated when these doormen, the loss control guys, are asking to see their receipts. Uh, we read a story last hour about a guy who was asked, they asked to see his receipt. He refused to show it, walked out, uh, which, again, you can do. It kind of It's rude and it's not very nice, uh, but you can do that. And then the store should have the right, and they do, they have the right to refuse service to you in the future. Okay, you don't want to show us your receipt, that's fine, please don't come back. They didn't handle it that way, unfortunately, in the case that we were referring to, uh, a blog written by a man named Michael Rigi, and he, uh, the, the, the manager of the store in this particular case, which allegedly was a circuit city, sort of put his hand on the car and stood in between the door and the car and tried to prevent him physically from leaving, and that's not technically something that you can really do. Uh, technically... The way it's supposed to work is, according to the loss control rules, there are certain things that you – there are six rules that most loss control departments follow in order to effectively do their job and not get, a, get accused of wrongfully imprisoning somebody or detaining somebody without probable cause. Uh, in order to actually detain someone, a, a customer who you believe has stolen something, you must see the shoplifter approach the merchandise – you must see the shoplifter select the merchandise. You must see the shoplifter conceal or convert the merchandise. You must maintain continuous observation of the shoplifter. You must observe the shoplifter fail to pay for the merchandise. And you must apprehend the shoplifter outside of the store. Now, the last part you might be asking yourself, well, why is that? Well, because... They haven't stolen it otherwise. Exactly. Until they've actually left store premises, if, until they've walked out that front door... They have not uh, yet stolen. They could theoretically have a pang of conscience, turn around, and go and put the product back. And, uh, you know, I must say that more than one time I have uh, gone to a – I've had something in my hand. I needed to get my cell phone, something like that. And I've shoved the product in my pocket, gone to the cash register, pulled it out of my pocket, and paid for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you haven't stolen it. I, I, I have no intention of stealing anything. By the way, I'm being informed that uh, Costco does this practice, and they do have a sign-up, and it is for every single customer. So once there is some yeah, sort Costco's of... Yeah, Costco's going broke, uh, you know, 
all those people protesting them uh, <laughs> th- their policy of chicken bags. Once you actually alert people to the fact that this is a requirement via a sign at the front door, or in this, ca- I think in Costco's case, it's a membership club, so they're actually signing a form specifically consenting to this, then it's absolutely within the store's right to, to, uh, to refuse to let you leave until you show them a receipt. If you don't want to show a receipt, well, you can just take your product right back up and get yourself a refund, which you'll have to show a receipt to get the refund as well. <laughs> and, uh, and so people are very upset about this. And I, just, uh, I think it's because they don't understand. They don't understand the situation with uh, theft, with shoplifting in this country. And an employee from Best Buy wrote an email to a website called die.net. Before you go any farther on it. My um the question my question is you know Michael Regi's big complaint was he doesn't believe that uh, businesses should be treating their customers like criminals mm. and one of the point uh, you know by checking their bags well one of the points that you made was really great was well what about cameras are they treating them like criminals by having cameras what about uh, the little magnetic strips are they treating them like criminals for the little mag- magnetic strips and take that mm-hmm. a point farther Michael well. What about asking for a receipt when you return an item? Are you what are you calling me a liar? Right. I bought this mm-hmm. item here, and I, I, I no, I didn't pay nineteen ninety five. I paid twenty nine ninety five. You know, because mm-hmm. when you go to uh, Home Depot, for instance, I know this. Sometimes I've re- returned things to Home Depot. They give you the lowest price they've sold it at in the last six months or something. If you like don't that. have a receipt, you if mean? you don't happen to have a receipt, they'll and take they'll it give back. you store credit. I, I guess. I mean, right. you're not going to get cash. I'm never. I'm always going to have my. I'm always in the good when I've got money at Home Depot right. because I'm always spending it there. Yeah, I know. Like Walmart will have the policy that you're only allowed two a year without a receipt, and then after that they cut I, you off. I don't know. Totally I, reasonable. Right. Totally reasonable policies because there are certain customers who will abuse your. If you've got a more liberal return policy, you will be abused by those customers who un- know and understand the return policy and will take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. They'll buy the product somewhere else, and they'll bring it back to your store. As long as it has the same UPC on it, they will be able to successfully convert that into uh, in-store currency. I've even heard people uh, heard of people doing it at going to the Salvation Army or something. They're buying some secondhand goods, really? going back to the store and returning them for full That's price. That's the lowest the, of the low. But those people are out there, and without effective exactly. loss control, all our prices are going to go up because we're paying for someone else to return Salvation Army merchandise. You're you're paying for the people who are scamming the system, who are scamming these businesses. And I completely support what loss control is doing. They're trying to keep their business afloat. And if you like the convenience of going into a store, you know, Amazon.freetalklive.com, great. We love Amazon, and they, they sell virtually everything. But the fact is, if you need something tonight... If you need to go and, you know, you're, you've just bought a new television and you, oops, you forgot the right cable that you needed to buy and you want to watch a movie right now, you've got to go out to the store. And, uh, you know, it's just a reality that people have to go to, you know, the big box stores to, to get some purchasing done. And these procedures and policies are in place to keep those prices low. What's wrong with that? And why are you so offended by it? Get offended by the police being authoritarian and demanding identification and that sort of thing. Don't get offended by a policy that's just in place to prevent thuggery and to prevent theft. That's what this is all about. I know the phone callers, we were, a couple of the phone callers expressed that they thought that we were, uh, it, they are authority. They see the, the security guy as an authoritarian figure. And I don't see him that way. I see him as a guy who's trying to protect the store's business. I've never seen him and perceived him in the same way that I do a police officer. The police officer, authority guy who's not out there to protect my best interest. Security guy, guard in the store, uh, checking receipts on the way out. I don't see him as an authoritarian figure. I see him as someone there trying to keep the business and keep prices as low as possible. He's motivated by his employers to make people happy. 
police officers are motivated to put people in jail. Right. I mean, right. you know, obviously they don't want to they don't want to stir up too much trouble and get a bunch of letters to the editor or letters to their um, you know, police chief or anything like that, but unfortunately that's when when you're talking to a cop uh, in official capacity, that's one of his options. He's he he solves problems by putting people in jail. jail. Yeah. That's his Who's job. Who's it going to be today? Now, with the loss control guys that are standing at the front of the store checking receipts, there is another article I was looking at, I don't remember where it was, but it suggested that some stores do this wrong, and they put an intimidating, bouncer-looking guy at the front of the store. Personally, I've never seen that. Um, usually when there's a loss control guy at the front of the store, he's not necessarily any larger than the average customer, and he's, he's usually smiling, and he's friendly, and I've never once been intimidated by these people, and I'm not exactly the biggest guy. I've never felt intimidated physically or mentally or anything like that, and I've never felt anything but absolutely happy to hand over my receipt to those people, and it doesn't, I don't consider it an inconvenience. I consider it something that is, is unfortunately in this day and age with the amount of shoplifting that we have in America, completely unnecessary policy and I feel I personally I feel good about handing over my receipt I don't feel like I'm bowing down to some authoritarian regime I understand that uh, if they didn't have that guy at the front of the store then a lot more merchandise would be walking out without being paid for clearly and do you support theft I mean if you're against receipt checking are you in support of theft maybe you aren't necessarily the thief but do you support the? Thieves? I wouldn't say that. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't think that 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 the people that are against these things being checked are, are you know in support of theft any more than um, you know li- just uppity libertarians um, not wanting uh, cops to violate people's rights being in in support of crime. Right. Um, I think that really what yeah really what the problem is is they they feel invaded. Look, you they feel accused, mm. and I understand they to to some extent you've been accused and you've been invaded. I get it. But at the same time, you don't feel invaded by um, and accused by the cameras. You don't feel invaded in, and accused by electronic, uh, you know, the little magnetic strips or, or the receipt at the return process. I'm glad you brought that one up because that was brilliant. So you know, you know, you're not you're not being invaded, and it's your choice every single time. You know what there. Circuit City's po- policy is? It's your choice. When the cops show up, it's not your choice. When you walk through the front door of the Circuit City or the Best Buy, that was absolutely your choice. More on the way, an email from a Best Buy employee on this topic, and your calls as well about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The Shrine of Female listeners is there. The dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their photo to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by going to shrine.freetalklive.com. Shrine.freetalklive.com. If you, or perhaps someone you know, needs a primer on some of the subjects that we talk about here on Free Talk Live, you should check out the Liberty Radio Underground. It's an elementary elementary introduction to libertarianism, and each show is concisely handles a single topic in under 10 minutes. It's great for someone new to liberty. Go to libertyradiounderground.com today and grab an episode. libertyradiounderground.com we're talking about the uh, issue of bag checkers at your local Best Buy or Circuit City or Costco or other uh, specialty electronics retailer. A lot of people are very upset by it, and I think it's simply because they don't understand. Uh, they just don't understand what these companies have to deal with in regards to loss control, in regards to products 
getting put into people's pockets and walking out the front door of the store and how that translates when, pro- when the more products leave, the higher your prices get uh, because, well, that's just the, it becomes a cost of doing business, and in order to cover those costs, you have to raise prices. Right. So, if, if you're not making a profit in business, uh, shortly you're either going to have to uh, you know, somehow raise prices if, if the market will allow that or shut your doors. So in an effort to help people understand, I'd like to share an email from a Best Buy employee written to somebody who had a similar experience to what we were discussing earlier, uh, somebody who was very upset about having their uh, their receipt checked upon leaving a store. And he, he starts out by under, by being very understanding of the customer and, and how they were feeling. Very he, helpful. He goes on to say that Best Buy's policy on receipt verification is basically this. Check large box stock items such as computers and appliances. Any merchandise in bags is free to go. Now, it sounded like the story we read earlier, Circuit City was allegedly checking what he had in his bag, which, again, it's their store. They can set the rules that they want. It may end up making more people go over to Best Buy, where they only check on the big box stuff. Anyway, he says, if you want to avoid the door, the guy at the door at Best Buy, ask your items be bagged. He says, I know it's not the ideal answer, but it will get you out the door. In dealing with the larger issue of why we verify receipts, I'll ask a question. Have you ever worked in retail sales? How long ago? The unpleasant reality facing retailers today is that the customer will lie, cheat, and steal at the slightest opportunity. They will invent fairy tales in attempts to get lower prices. And, well, and if, this, this is a, a little statement that I heard from a car dealer one time, um, and I, I, I get the impression that this, uh, this term has been used before, but buyers are liars. Hmm. Now, I'm, you know, just that people will say what it takes to get a lower price, but sure. they'll hold a business person to a very high standard. Exactly. The customer is not always right. Sorry, just not the case. Well, you know, they are if you want their business, but... They shouldn't always want their business. <laughs> Sometimes they're scammers. In some cases, yes. In, in some cases, they'll, they'll tell stories in order to get lower prices. Uh, and even if you have the gall to debate their logic, says the employee, they will insult, threaten, and even assault you. This Christmas, we had a customer, a 39-year-old, 6'2", 200-pound man, grab a 16-year-old slip of a female cashier by the front of her shirt, pull her kidding? across the counter to his face, and scream at her because she would not honor an ad price that had been out of effect for two weeks. I personally had a customer, an intelligent middle-aged man, tell me that I had a sign. Tell me that a sign that I had made 9.99 after a $5 mail-in rebate was misleading. I could go on, but I won't. I mean, there are endless stories like that. Uh, simply put, that is the customer. All the old sayings about the customer being the reason we're here, etc., don't apply as much as you might like them to. The reality is, customers don't come to Best Buy because they want to do their part to keep us in business. They want to buy a computer, and they come to Best Buy because we have a lower price than Circuit City. That may be simplifying things a bit, but it illustrates the fact that the customer will put up with a lot to save 10%. How else do you explain the continued existence of Kmart? In fact, one of our earlier callers suggested that he doesn't want to, he, it's not his responsibility to help the store improve their loss control system. You know, if they make a mistake or whatever the situation is that they're asking for a little bit of assistance with, and he's right. Yeah, it's not your responsibility to help the store. But if I have pleasant shopping experiences at certain stores, I don't have any problem helping that store out in certain areas. And helping the store out can mean different things. Um, for instance, if you encounter bad or if you encounter poor customer service at a store that you normally encounter good customer service at, I'm the kind of person who may take the time out to go up and talk to a manager and point out the uh, the poor customer service that I'd received. I've seen instances where you've actually written letters to the corporate office over just this sort of issue. Really? 
Yeah, um, there was a grocery store incident back in uh, Sarasota. I can't remember. Oh yeah, that one. That's right. Um, and yeah, I went. I re- went really high up with that one. But and also, I'll do things to to help them as well. That that helps them call out the bad employees, so I can continue having a good shopping experience. Uh, because otherwise, I mean, if I've had good shopping experiences, why am I going to throw it all away simply because one employee slipped through and was rude to me? Uh, recently, I was at the grocery store in the cold section where they've got the yogurts. Felt some of the yogurts and noticed they were a little bit warm, and I thought, well, that's odd. Normally, they're really, really cold when you touch them. And sure enough, there are little thermometers gauged about maybe every five or seven feet along the top of the uh, the cooler. And I looked at the thermometer, and it said 50 degrees. Went down to the next thermometer, and it said zero. So, obviously, there was a problem. And I don't know. You know, I didn't know if anybody else had reported it. So I went over to the nearest employee and said, hey, man, you know, I don't know if anyone's told you this yet, but uh, over there you've got a 50-degree thermometer over by the yogurts. And he said, thank you. I appreciate, you know, appreciate you alerting us to that. And so I think that there is a role for, for certain customers to play in that particular area. If, you know, if the bathroom's messy, let them know. I mean, it's it's just common courtesy. A lot if, of a lot of places have signs that say just that. Right. If the bathroom is messy, please let us know. Sure. Now, many places have bathroom crews that go in periodically uh, to in, to indeed check that the bathroom is clean. But sometimes, you know, they might have just gone in and somebody went in, dropped a big load in a toilet, and made a mess. I mean, so you never know when that kind of stuff is going to happen. And I just feel like it's it's common courtesy. If I were running a business, I would appreciate it if my customers informed me of certain things. And so that's sort of how I look at it. I actually saw a really cool bathroom the other day that had a, a checklist. Every 15 minutes, they went in and initialed and put the time Where was on. that? I don't. It was in a gas station. I was on route somewhere. It was. It was just neat. I'd never seen that before. That's something. That. That's something you want to see in a gas station because usually their gas. I mean, gas station bathrooms are the worst. Sure. And this is a great way for a gas station, uh, you know, uh, to compete with other gas stations uh, at an interstate Wait. stop. Where do you want to use the bathroom? Do you want to use it at uh, some gross rest stop where likely you could be uh, killed, like Michael Jordan's dad, or uh, you know, have to deal with uh, you know, mm-hmm. gay guys coming up and uh, propositioning you, or do you want to go to a gas station where you can get some gas, maybe a snack? And then uh, you know, use a really nice, clean bathroom. But, and the, it, what amazed me is the whole log was filled out. Like, even at like 5 in the morning, there's someone in there 515, 530. Very impressive. The Best Buy employee continues. He says, it's because of these facts that while we try to serve the customer, we must take steps to protect ourselves from the customer. It's distasteful to be sure, but if we didn't do it, one of two things would happen. We would have to raise prices to compensate, or we would soon go out of business. Kmart doesn't protect itself the way Best Buy does, and each store loses about 5% of its sales to theft and waste. At my Best Buy, a similar level of inefficiency would mean about a $5 million loss. As it is, we'll only lose about 120000 I'm sure there was an uproar when stores first began to run personal checks through the various time-consuming verification systems. Here's another great example. Uh, But people soon grasp the truth that other people write bad checks, and stores have a reasonable right to protect themselves from that. Receipt verification follows similar logic. The attitude of how dare they, do I look like a thief, comes my way in a lot of the people that I check off, and I sense a bit of that in you. Frankly, it's a natural reaction. But just as we cannot tell a bogus check writer by looks, we can't differentiate shoplifters either. So, I'm sorry, but there are scummy customers out there. And if you want your prices to stay low, please put up with this stuff. More on the way, this is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. We're inviting you to our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features are for free, including the bulletin board system. Over a quarter of a million posts, serious issues, and fun stuff. You'll find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. D2Z.org. Let's go to the phones and talk to Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hello, Dave. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, uh, I wanted to remind listeners uh, in the New England area, uh, Ron Paul is going to be in New Hampshire tomorrow for the September 5th Republican debate at the University of New Hampshire. That's excellent, and I'm sure that will be televised, and uh, people across the country can can uh, can enjoy. That's correct. But what we really need is folks to show up here at the University of New Hampshire tomorrow uh, afternoon and uh, wave signs for Dr. Paul, or go in and uh, watch the debate, scream and holler whenever he uh, says anything. Good idea. Now, <laughs> now, don't they? Um, didn't they give out tickets in advance? Is it possible to get in at this late uh, late in the game? I've been hearing that, yes, it may be possible. In fact, I think the tickets, it's free, uh, and I hear there are some available for uh, for our bunch, and I expect I might even be able to get in tomorrow, even though I'm not really going to try. So then the idea would be to show up early in that case, and just to ensure that you do get the opportunity, if there is going to right. be one. Right. And also, it's really, it's, I think it's more important to be outside than it is to be inside, although it's good to be able to do both. Um, I just think it's nice to have just a huge crowd in the in the uh, in the area when people are driving up and stuff like that. Something for media to photograph and yeah. all that. You can really be seen as a Ron Paul supporter when you're outside, and inside you can only be heard. Excellent suggestions, and and good luck tomorrow, Dave. Anything else to share? Uh, not too much. Uh, we'll just you know see what happens. Keep up the good work, sir. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Uh, Toby, are you planning on going out for that? I may. I'm not really sure yet. I have to talk to some people about it. Because you're, you're the only one here who's, who's not tied down at that time. Right. i got a radio show to do. Right. I'm thinking about going and videotaping because you know the media, if there are a bunch of supporters out there, the big media is going to show a couple of them if that. Right. They'll and do their best to point their camera somewhere else. And it would be g- nice to have some video of how many people are actually going to be there because if you see some of the other YouTube clips of other um, – Debates that Ron Paul's been in, the people outside, overwhelmingly Ron Paul supporters, but usually yep. not really seen on the network television. I expect you'll see the same thing here uh, on this particular debate. And uh, by the way, Toby is the host of Free Minds TV, which you can watch online at freemindstv.com. Uh, the show just keeps getting better and better. And uh, you guys are, I mean, you do an amazing job considering you're not getting paid for that. Well, it's a so, lot of fun. I, yeah. And we do have an interview with Ron Paul from a couple of weeks back. That's, that's right. right. That's on the post- front page. Posted there as well. Very good. FreeMindsTV.com as we continue with the phone calls and talk to Scott in Winnipeg. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hello, guys. What's on your mind, Scott? Uh, on Saturday's show, Johnson was talking about cable companies and how uh, you know they put a, a not-so-great channel with other channels to make you buy the not-so-great channel. Bundling. Yes. Yeah, I thought I'd comment real quick about that. I, I work at a specialty TV network in Canada. And um, our government, I, my station was unique because our government mandated that every ca- every cable company in Canada had to carry our channel. Oh, jeez, what a for sweet deal! Years. Yeah. What's your What's Great your channel? For me. Pardon me. What's the channel? Uh, Aboriginal People's Television Network. Interesting. It, it was mandated because it was for minority for Aboriginal people, so they mm-hmm. said, "Okay, we're going to make every cable station carry the station for seven years." So it's like and, Nanavut TV or something. 
Uh, well, it used to be a, a different channel, which was just from the north, but now it's across Canada. Okay. It's a little bit more commercialized, uh, sort of more for the general audience, not just northern Aboriginal people. Gotcha. Okay, so Canada forced all television systems in Canada to carry the channel. Yes, and they also said you, you, you're going to get paid, you know, 15% per subscriber, et cetera, et cetera. And that was the CRTC, which is equivalent to your FCC. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case in the States, but it's probably similar where there might be mandates for certain things like that. And, and also, when you have, say, five or six stations owned by one company, they'll tell the cable providers, okay, we'll let you carry you know, our number one station, but you also have to carry our number two and our number three, right. and you have to package them with this and this. So, so like Viacom, for instance, which owns MTV and VH1, and exactly. I don't know, do they own Comedy Central? I think they do. Uh, I believe they do, yeah. So that's that kind of a deal. That makes sense. And that's, and that's how it is here in Canada, so I imagine it's probably similar in the States. So there is a little bit of government involvement. Well, I mean, as you know, the FCC is pretty, they control the airways, right? It's the same thing here in Canada. Yeah. Uh, as I understand it, there's actually uh, some Canadian subsidies to film uh, producers up there to videograph uh, p- yeah. for people that are actually making original series in Canada. They can get government subsidies. Canada is very dependent on government uh, subsidies. Sorry, my phone. The, the entertainment industry, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much anyone who is a film uh, or television producer uh, depends on the government to to survive, really. Because I was watching uh, Trailer Park Boys recently, and yeah. which is a, just a hilarious program. Yeah. And I found it interesting that on a program where there's you know heavy drug use, uh, yeah. all kinds of sexual references, uh, profanity, and everything, that at the that very end of the liberal. show, it says yeah. there's some titles that say that they actually received money from the Canadian government. Pretty and I felt a little dirty watching it. Pretty much every Canadian TV show receives a lot of money from the government in some way. Arts arts funding, things like that. And they're pretty liberal with what we'll show on... I don't know if you're familiar with the kids in the hall. It's sort of a precursor to uh, Jackass and Tom Green and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, they had a lot of... You know, that's the first time I ever saw Two Men Kiss was on Kids in the Hall in 1991. Hmm. They were considered pretty progressive for the time, and they were on the CBC, which is the nationally run uh, network, mm-hmm. or, or the government-owned network. And uh, they, they're pretty permissive with what they'll let go. They just... I don't know. We're just a little bit more permissive that way, I suppose. Apparently so. Very good. Scott, any other thoughts? That's about it. Thanks for the call and the expertise. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. So one of the reasons why you have to watch so many, you have so many channels in your channel lineup may simply be because of the -the behind-the-scenes deals that the cable companies are doing to get to carry the channels in the first place, which makes sense because there are similar things that go on here in the radio industry. Uh, For instance, there is a show that originates in New York City called The Mark Levin Show, and I've never heard the guy's show. I don't the know. The great one. He, yeah, he's really full of himself. Uh, like I'm sure he didn't come up with that line. Talk show host. Who knows? Maybe he did. I, anyway, uh, he does the night shift on WABC in New York City, which is the flagship station for many of ABC Radio Network's products, like Sean Hannity. Uh, Sean Hannity is also on the same station. And, uh, of course, they're both syndicated out, which means that stations can take their show just like they can take Free Talk Live from off of a satellite and rebroadcast it in their area. And from the program directors I've spoken with, Mark Levin is an awful regional talk show host. Like, he talks about New York stuff, apparently, on his show. And if you've got a syndicated uh, if you've got a syndicated product that's really focusing on a certain region... Yeah, uh, that's the last thing you want to put on your air in Tupelo, Mississippi. Right. More often than not, that's just not good programming. 
unfortunately, what goes on is that Sean Hannity is the number two show in America. Like him or not, he's number two. Uh, and got the ratings. Right. He's got the ratings. He's, he's got the numbers. News. He's got the affiliates. And ABC Radio Networks uses Hannity as leverage to sort of get other stations on board with their lesser products. So it's the same exact thing going on. So a lot of cases you'll hear Sean Hannity on one station, and then later on in the evening you'll hear this Mark Levin guy. And you'll ask yourself, what the hell is this guy doing on the radio? Well, the fact is, ABC Radio Networks wants to promote him, so they tie him in with Sean Hannity, where they go to the program director and say, so, because uh, Levin's relatively new. I'm sure Hannity's people ask themselves the same thing when they listen to this show. So, uh, so uh, this... Uh, the Hannity's been doing pretty well for you in the ratings, I see. Well, you know, the station across town would really like to pick up Hannity, and we see here that your contract is coming up. Because huh, radio stations typically sign year-long agreements, uh, three, year, three. You know, whatever the year-long agreement is, and there's usually a, like a 90-day-out clause or something like that. And uh, and so then they'll say, oh, see, your contract's coming up here in a few days. Huh, well, you know what? If you'd like to keep Sean and keep those ratings rolling in, we're going to have to ask that you also take Mark Levin. And so that's exactly how it works. And so as a result of that, sort of, it's not really strong-arming. It's just they're using their persuasion and their power in the marketplace. Uh, basically, what that results in is, you know, all these stations taking a show that they otherwise wouldn't have wanted to take... And uh, that's just not good. I, I, don't, I wouldn't run my business that way, but that's how it happened. So just forget to let you know that. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The feature's for free. You like the show? You want to help support the show? Then go to amp.freetalklive.com. That stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in three bucks a month, we take the money in, and we turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live to getting us on more radio stations across the country and spreading the message of freedom and liberty. And you'll get some perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only chat room and forum, and more. All of the details available for you at AMP. Dot freetalklive.com as we continue with the phone calls let's talk to tom in new hampshire tom you're on free talk live hello there uh yeah speaking of that presidential debate there you know some people can get tickets and they can go inside and some people are outside gotta can't get the tickets so they wind up waiting around outside the people on uh they can go in and get the tickets they're called political insiders see but uh anyway <laughs> Anyway, by, by the way, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to read that book that I told you about, but here's no, the No, I, 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 though somebody did tell me that I, I, when you mentioned it, I then realized that I'd heard of it before. Isn't it like a rape fantasy or something like that, Tom? It's it's a book. You know, anyway, I don't it's kind of kind of perverted, as I understood but, it. But anyway, uh, when you go into these candidates' debates, whether it's the <laughs> presidential ones or the uh, a, any state legislative debates. There's this very important question you need to pose to the candidate. Okay, that what's is, that? Do you want to call off the war on drugs now, or do you still want to wait until more cops get themselves killed in action first? It's an excellent question, and Tom, thank you for the suggestion. 1-800-259, and the call, 1-800-259-9231. You notice how he backed away on the uh, accusation about his book, The Rape Fantasy? No. I don't want to talk about it anymore after I brought that up. Well, there you go. So I think he's. In, I think Tom's into some kinky stuff. Well, so 
Yeah, yeah, that's okay. As long as he doesn't actually rape somebody, then it'd be a problem. 1-800-259-9231. Going to uh, Toby for a story about tasers and the police maybe going a little too far with them. Well, this from um, British police are told they can use taser guns on children from the Daily Mail, uh, .co.uk. British police have been given the go-ahead to use taser stun guns against children. Really? The relaxing restrictions on the use of weapons comes despite warnings that they could trigger heart attacks in youngsters. Until now, tasers, which emit 50,000 volts of electric shock, have been used only on by specific officers for non-lethal alternative to firearms. Now, this is in Britain. This isn't having to do with America, where we actually, in most places, can taser children. But in Britain... <laughs> and do. Yeah, yes. we, we stories all the time. Seven-year-olds, nine-year-olds, eight-year-olds getting tasered. Yes, no concern for their teeny little developing hearts. Yes. <laughs> but in Britain, a lot of the police officers don't carry firearms, and they don't carry tasers as, as well, um, unlike us. But this, they're starting to now. Um, however, they can be used against all potentially violent offenders, even if they are unarmed, starting now. Um, it is the decision not to ban their use against minors that is likely to raise serious, serious concerns. The Defense of Scientific Advisory Council Medical Committee um, told the House office not that there was not enough known about the health risks using the weapons against children. Tasers work by firing metal barbs into the skin, which then discharge an, electri an electrical charge which is designed to disable someone long enough to allow police to detain them safely. The committee, which is made up of independent scientists and doctors, said that limited research suggests there is risk of children could suffer a serious cardiac event. The government scientists were well, also... Well, that's okay, because the government uh, doesn't actually have any responsibility when it comes to injuring people, so who cares? If it happens, it Not happens. Much. It was probably their fault, so... Uh, this is something that I, I thought was interesting. The government scientists were also asked whether the weapons could be... Um, could cause a miscarriage if used on a pregnant woman. Because um, you can't tell every woman is pregnant either, even. Certainly so if not. you're just using it on a random woman, that eh, could be quite dangerous. But um, while, this, <laughs> while the committee will not say um, if the tasers will be allowed on expectant mothers, the House office <laughs> said the DSAC committee had specifically asked for a computer simulation to be carried out to analyze the effect, in, effect on a pregnant female. Now, how is a, com a computer simulation going to show the effect on what a taser gun's going to have on a pregnant woman. That's absurd. Woman. That is bizarre. I, I can hardly imagine that's the case. Hey, this is what government at work. Amnesty International claims that tasers have been responsible for 220 deaths in America since mm. 2001. Um, funny that Britons are using American statistics on how we're killing people against us. You know, I thought that tasers were supposed to be, um, you know, sort of in lieu of using guns. Um, That's what they're. I thought they were supposed to. But be, yeah. it's, it seems like a lot of police are using them as punishment. You're not doing what I'm saying. Right. You know, and, and and that's not really I don't think was the intention of of uh you know these tasers. Well, if mm -hmm. you give a man a hammer uh, and all he sees are nails, then uh, then that's what he's going to do. Is yeah. He's going to whack some nails. Beat things. And if you give a police officer another violent tool to use on people, uh, basically you give the police officer a way to actually injure someone without doing permanent damage unless of course they do have a, a heart condition or are pregnant that sort of thing for the average adult a taser shock isn't going to do anything besides maybe make you wet your pants right. and uh, and fall to the ground but you never know who's who it's going to kill you this is someone's life in right. your hand and there's a way not to 
I don't know. It seems a little bit. But the, the police feel safer using the tasers on people, and so they've been a little bit more liberal with them than they would. Obviously, with a gun, it's shoot to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, with this, they can they can use it to torture people, and that's what they'll do. They'll order you to do something, and if you don't do it fast enough for them, they will threaten you with a taser. Yeah. Some police officers, not everyone. I mean, just to be clear. No, that, that's absolutely the case. We've got to go to the phones, though. Uh, again, if taser use is just on the rise, terrible, uh, of course, terrible news, the idea that they can now use them on children. And as you say, Toby, they, they've already been able to do that here in Actually, the States. banning it in lots of parts in the United States, but now allowing it in Britain. As though a little seven-year-old is somehow a threat to a big, burly police officer? Even if that police, big, burly police officer is a woman at 120 pounds, she should be able to handle a seven-year-old girl. You would think. Which was um, a recent news story I saw here in the United States where they tasered a seven-year-old girl. It's so. sick. Let's go to the phones, to the fun, to talk to Mike in California, listening on KSCO. Hello, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, what's uh, on your mind? The problem with, uh, with Costco and Circuit City and them searching through uh, your belongings and detaining you is that they're getting you to agree uh, to give up these rights of privacy in exchange for a privilege, whether it be uh, shopping in their store or whatever, just like in the airport uh, when we're uh, stuck with uh, TSA, and uh, just like all, all in line with uh, the Homeland Security and the Patriot Act. But it's not just like that, because you aren't dealing with uh, government people. You're dealing with a voluntary choice to go in and do business at a retailer. Right, and, and the, hold on, the diff- the, also the, the difference is, is you don't have any choice when it comes to air travel. You must yes, you be... Yes, do. you don't have to fly in the airplane. Right, or you could get a charter plane. But you, what you're talking about are extraordinarily difficult options. And the other difference is that... The bureaucrats did not make a business decision. This is an administrative, bureaucratic decision to control the population, whereas okay. with the with the stores, it's an absolute business decision based on shrinkage and loss and what the right thing to do is for the uh, you know to keep their costs down. So as opposed to it being an arbitrary bureaucratic decision, this is a very calculated, studied business decision. These businesses didn't just put a bunch of guys at the front of their store because they thought it would work. They studied it in a couple of test stores. They found it reduced the amount of uh, shrinkage, and therefore they implemented it chain-wide. Well, these are actually large corporations that are implementing these policies, and they are conditioning us to uh, be being into giving up our rights. They uh, detain us that way. Now, when I, a number of times I've gone to Costco, and when it comes to uh, the exit, I just blow on through. I let them chase me out in the parking lot, and then we have at it. We, uh, and one time I got into a good, uh, actually a healthy, lengthy discussion uh, with the manager, and it turned out he was a Vietnam vet. After all these years, still recovering, and uh, he started to get the picture that uh, that all everything that he had fought for so hard in Vietnam uh, was actually being eroded these days uh, by policies uh, such as what his company was doing to us. Well, I and, disagree uh, that it's he that companies to, uh, realized some things. And uh, next time I went in there, they had taken their uh, sign down from their store. Now, all so much of this is I know this started before 911, but we have to realize that we are in a country. Uh, under government and uh, and largely fascist uh, corporate influence that is causing us leading us to actually give up our rights. Oh, I empathize completely with you on that. We talk about it every night on Free Talk Live, how our rights are being eroded. But you have to understand, it's the government that's eroding your rights, not the Circuit City Loss Control Department. Well, 
But you can see how we are being uh, conditioned to actually give up those rights. It's much easier for the powers that be, the system... You didn't have to walk through the doors in the first place, though. I don't think it's fair to call this conditioning. I don't think it's the same thing at all with what the government does. I'm standing there in that line where it takes an extra five or ten minutes to get out of Costco. I'm thinking about some things, about how they are taking my time. Unnecessarily, I go shop at Sam's Club. Their security, and I'll tell you why. If, uh, I had that talk with that manager, and he said that their real security problem with uh, you know theft and all that was uh, had ninety nine percent of uh, the problem was with employees. That's also a factor as well. I totally understand. I've worked in retail, and if the problem is that they're taking you too long to get you out of the store, usually it's like a glance at the receipt and you're out the door at Best Buy. I don't know how Costco is. He's saying five to ten minutes. Go shop at BJ's. Go shop at Sam's Club. Or shop at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Thanks for the call. We'll see you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.